You were drinking water while I read it. And it went... Thirsty. I'm wearing these, like, space-age super headphones. I can hear what's going on on Mars. Really? Hello and welcome to the third episode of BYOP. Bring your own parchment. Actually, it's poetry. Well, yeah. What it's about. Yeah, I heard that. Did um, you? And today's show is entitled Textual Healing, because we could all use some. Mm. But first, it's the intro. I'm Matt. And this is Jean. And this is our cat. And this is our pet turtle. On each episode of BYOP, you'll hear from some dead poets and some less dead poets. You should totally subscribe. If you do, you'll get to hear hand-picked poetry from around the globe. As usual, we'll be joined by a special guest later in the show. In the meantime, you're stuck with us. But lucky you, we have some great offers from today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by... The, the letter, letter L. L. Oh. 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 Lawrence. <laughs> of Arabia? I like how you look. You got a line up and down. You got another line along the ground. L, L, L. You ring my bell. You start words like laugh. You start words like love. You start words like leaves in the trees above. Before we start the show, we have some thoughts we'd like to share. We do indeed have thoughts. A lot has happened since our last show, including a political apocalypse that only continues to spiral. Hmm. Last year opened a new chapter in U.S. history and, according to some commentators, perhaps punched a hole in space-time. It has also raised the stakes for all of us. But what does this have to do with a poetry podcast? Well, William Carlos Williams, a poet, wrote this. Look at what passes for the new. You will not find it there, but in despised poems. It is difficult to get the news from poems. Yet men die miserably every day for lack of what is found there. Hear me out, for I too am concerned and every man who wants to die in peace in his bed besides, which comes from a poem called Asphodel, That Greeny Flower. But back to BYOP. In the U.S., we now find ourselves with the most intemperate and ignorant president in our nation's history, as a journalist put it in the most dispassionate terms. But at the end of the day, or the four years, hopefully a lot fewer than that, this isn't really about a 70-year-old casino hotel media mogul. Our political system is being exploited by people who do not wish the majority of us well, nor do they represent the values in our Constitution. Before we move on to the show, let's name some of the things that we know. A mix of racism and sexism, fear and apathy, pave the way to where we are now. Deep weaknesses in our society and our electoral system continue to be revealed, and we have a lot of work to do. We always did. A lot of these problems have existed before and will exist after this administration. As Alejandro Ocana, 
aka Tumex, a founder of the underground hip-hop crew The Visionaries, once rhymed, and I quote, Watch the weather wither in the wrong way. Never Xerox a xenophobe's x-ray. Yes, you're young, so yell, that's just you. Zoning in the zero of the Zyklon Zoo. And as Utah Phillips said, the long memory is the most radical idea in America. It's so rad. Yeah. Dude, it's so rad. Yeah. Double L's. L's. So get involved. There are lots of ways. Voter precinct meetings, Black Lives Matter, indivisible groups, the NAACP, the ACLU, Common Cause, Brand New Congress, and all of us are a few good groups out there that need our support. We and our sponsors would like to remind you to get out there, take care of yourselves, and bring some palms with you. And now a word from today's sponsor. Now let me tell you about the letter L. There was a lazy little lizard with a lunchbox in his hand And he went looking for the lobster Over by the lemonade stand But there was a leopard on the lamppost And there was lightning in the sky So that lizard took the ladder And left with a long goodbye <laughs> That's the letter L To kick off this textual healing party, we're going to read a set of three poems together, each entitled Spring. The first of the springs is very springy and deceptively simple, something we like here on BYOP. This poem was written by poet Audre Lorde, and, fun fact, this is her first published poem, which graced the pages of Seventeen magazine back in 1951, when she was just a teenage kid. What a find. And... It's a sonnet. Spring by Audre Lorde I am afraid of spring. There is no peace here. The agony of growing things is in my veins. Where they shall bury me, no tears, no sad refrains, shall be none of this frightening green grass fear. If I could only dream of other winters, or of the summer, clean and promised fulfilled, long other springs wherein I've waited hinder, the voice from out the earth cannot be stilled. If the green turmoil could leave my soul at rest, not fling forgotten perfumes against my hair, nor whisper coaxing love words within my ear, I would not feel green sobs beneath my breast. But I have seen spring sun on a robin's wing. There is no peace here. I am afraid of spring. This poem is intense the agony of growing things. Spring is a transition season. Our teenage years are times of transition. It's not always pretty, but the bio that appeared under this poem is pretty adorable, so I'm going to read it. Audre Lorde is 16 and a senior at Hunter High in New York. She is a collector of folk songs, which she plays on her guitar, and old books. Prizes found to date in her searches through Fourth Avenue bookshops are a French geometry and an ancient and yellowed copy of the Romantic Poets. In 1985, Audre Lorde published an essay called Poetry is Not a Luxury. 
It was included in her book of collected essays and speeches, Sister Outsider, and I'd like to read a little bit of it. Poetry is not a luxury. The quality of light by which we scrutinize our lives has direct bearing upon the product which we live and upon the changes which we hope to bring about through those lives. It is within this light that we form those ideas by which we pursue our magic and make it realized. This is poetry as illumination, for it is through poetry that we give name to those ideas which are, until the poem, nameless and formless, about to be birthed, but already felt. That distillation of experience from which true poetry springs births thought as dream births concept, as feeling births idea, as knowledge births, proceeds, understanding. As we learn to bear the intimacy of scrutiny and to flourish within it, as we learn to use the products of that scrutiny for power within our living, those fears which rule our lives and form our silences begin to lose their control over us. So, in the U.S., April is National Poetry Month. Did you ever wonder why? It's because spring. Spring is because why. When poets write about spring, they regularly address April as a thing to bring it into focus. Some famous first lines that do this, you might already know, are, When that April with his showers suta, the drought of March hath pierced to the ruta, from Canterbury Tales, or, April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, from the wasteland. These are major bookends in this use of April. On and on times a thousand, it's what you might call a tradition type thing. So into this tendency comes Edna St. Vincent Millay, the poet we're going to hear now. Uh, her poem is called Spring. This poem was published in 1921 when... Pretty much everyone was fed up with everything, so hopefully that will help it make a little sense. She's an exceptional poet, and I hope you like it. Spring by Edna St. Vincent Millay To what purpose, April, do you return again? Beauty is not enough. You can no longer quiet me with the redness of little leaves opening stickily. I know what I know. The sun is hot on my neck as I observe the spikes of the crocus. The smell of the earth is good. It is apparent that there is no death. But what does that signify? Not only underground are the brains of men eaten by maggots. Life in itself is nothing. An empty cup, a flight of uncarpeted stairs. It is not enough that yearly, down this hill, April comes like an idiot, babbling and strewing flowers.
And now for a poem that actually celebrates spring, by the Victorian-era poet Gerard Manley Hopkins. Maggots ate his brain in 1889. His hundreds of poems were not collected and published until after his death, with the first edition published in 1918. Here's Spring, by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Nothing is so beautiful as spring, when weeds and wheels shoot long and lovely and lush, Thrush's eggs look little low heavens, and thrush through the echoing timber does so rinse and ring the ear, it strikes like lightnings to hear him sing. The glassy pear tree leaves and blooms, they brush the descending blue. That blue is all in a rush with richness, the racing lambs too have fare their fling. What is all this juice and all this joy? A strain of the earth's sweet being in the beginning in Eden garden. Have, get, before it cloy, before it cloud, Christ, Lord, and sour with sinning. Innocent mine and mayday and boy and girl, most, O maid's child, thy choice and worthy the winning. another spring poem for you that's a bit of a bummer but also very very beautiful like take a bath in it beautiful it's written by an italian poet named eugenio montale who is considered by a lot of people to be a large fish this poem is called la arca which means the ark it was written during world war ii in italy and knowing that is helpful to understand the remorse that hangs thick in this one even though the the images are pretty crispy. It was written in Italian, of course, and has been translated by Jonathan Galassi. And I think he did a pretty good job, but you know, what the hell do I know? Uh, Anyway, here we go. La Arca by Eugenio Montale. The Ark. The spring storm has upended the willow's umbrella. The April gale in the garden has caught the golden fleece that hides my dead. My trusty dogs my ancient nurses. How many since then, when the willow was yellow, and I clipped its curls with my sling, have fallen into the snare alive? Surely the storm will gather them under that same roof again, but far away, much farther than this thunderstruck earth where blood and lime ferment in a human footprint. The ladle steams in the kitchen Its bowl distills the bony faces and keen snouts it mirrors, and the magnolia shelters them at the bottom, if a gush should land them there. The storm of spring batters my ark with baying loyalty, O lost ones. 
All right, we've got another special guest today on BYOP. Our special guest today is Dorothy, Jean's mom. Hi, Dorothy. Hi. Thank you for coming. Thank you. So I understand that you're going to be reading a poem for us by Chen Chen called I'm Not a Religious Person. But. But. I'm not a religious person, but. They always proceed a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this case, it's a poem. All right. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. I'm not a religious person, but by Chin Chin. Page 231. Page 231. That's it. God sent an angel, one of his least qualified, though. Flint, only and let me get back to you. <laughs> the angel sounded like me, early 20s. Unpaid interning. Proficient in fetching coffee. Sending super vague emails. It got so bad, God personally had to speak to me. This was annoying (laughs) because I'm not a religious person. I thought I'd made this clear to God by reading Harry Potter and not attending church except for gay weddings. God did not listen to me. God is not a good listener. I said, stop it, please. I'll give you wedding cake, money, candy, marijuana. Go talk to married people, politicians, children, reality TV stars. I'll even set up a booth for you. Then everyone who wants to talk to you can do so. Without the stuffy house of worship, the stuffier middlemen, and the uh, football blimps that accidentally intercept prayers on their way to heaven. I'll keep the booth Decorations simple but attractive. Stickers of angels and cats because I'm not religious. But didn't people worship cats? Thing is, God couldn't take a hint. My doctor said to eat an apple every day. My best friend said to stop sleeping with guys with messiah complexes. <laughs> my mother's, my mother's, mother said she is pretty sure she has sex with my father, so I can't be some new Asian, Asian Jesus. I tried to enrage God by saying, Things like when I asked my mother about you, she was in the middle of making dinner, so she said, too busy. I try to confuse God by saying I am a made-up dinosaur and a real dinosaur. Who knows? Maybe I love you, but then God ended up relating to me. God said I am a good dinosaur, but also sort of evil and sometimes loving no one. It rained and we stayed inside. Played a few rounds of backgown. We used our indoor voices. It got so quiet I asked God about the afterlife, its existence. 
human continued existence. He said, oh, that. <laughs> then his angel again, who said, mm, I never heard from God or his rookie angel after that. I missed them like creatures I made up or found in a book and got then got to know a bit. <laughs> That's cute. Chin Chin. Oh, hi, Ernie. Hey, I've been sitting here trying to think of what we could do with this here letter L. Oh, well, let's see. You know, one thing, you could sing sort of a la-la-la song with the letter L. Uh, what do you mean? Well, there are all kinds of pretty words that begin with L. La-la-la-la laughter. Oh, yeah, I see. La-la-la-la lullaby. Ah, like that, huh? L is such a lovely letter. For words like licorice and lace, the letter L lights up your face, so why not la 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 with me? Hey, so this next poem is not really a spring poem, really, but it does mention April, and that's, that's good enough for me. It was written by Anne Sexton, who is an American poet, and it was published in 1975. The book that includes it has the title of The Awful Rowing Toward God, which sounds like a lot of rowing. Anyway, uh, without further aplomb, ado, or uh, a stare, here's The Sermon of the Twelve Acknowledgements by Anne Sexton. January? The month is dumb. It is fraudulent. It does not cleanse itself. The hens lay blood-stained eggs. Do not lend your bread to anyone, lest it never more rise. Do not eat lentils, or your hair will fall out. Do not rely on February, except when your cat has kittens, throbbing into the snow. Do not use knives and forks, unless there is a thaw, like the yawn of a baby. The sun in this month begets a headache, like an angel slapping you in the face. Earthquakes mean March. The dragon will move, and the earth will open like a wound. There will be great rain or snow, so save some coal for your uncle. The sun of this month cures all. Therefore, old women say, let the sun of March shine on my daughter. But let the sun of February shine on my daughter-in-law. However, if you go to a party... Dressed as the Antichrist, you will be frozen to death by morning. During the rainstorms of April, the oyster rises from the sea and opens its shell. Rain enters it. When it sinks, the raindrops become the pearl. So take a picnic, open your body, and give birth to pearls. June and July? These are the months we call boiling water. There is sweat on the cat, but the grape marries herself to the sun. Hesitate in August. Be shy. Let your toes tremble in their sandals. However, pick the grape and eat with confidence. The grape is the blood of God. Watch out when holding a knife 
or you will behead St. John the Baptist. Touch the cross in September, knock on it three times, and say aloud the name of the Lord. Put seven bowls of salt on the roof overnight, and the next morning the damp one will foretell the month of rain. Do not faint in September, or you will wake up in a dead city. If someone dies in October, do not sweep the house for three days, or the rest of you will go. Also, do not step on a boy's head, for the devil will enter your ears like music. November? Shave. Whether you have hair or not, hair is not good. Nothing is allowed to grow. All is allowed to die. Because nothing grows, you may be tempted to count the stars. But beware. In November, counting the stars gives you boils. Beware of tall people. They will go mad. Don't harm the turtle dove, because he is a great shoe that has swallowed Christ's blood. December? On December 4th, water spurts out of the mouse. Put herbs in its eyes and boil corn, and put the corn away for the night, so that the Lord may trample on it and bring you luck. For many days the Lord has been shut up in the oven. After that he is boiled, but he never dies. Never dies. got a couple of tasty poems to share with you. These two pudding cups were published by my co-host and fellow poet Matt Valades. They appear back-to-back in the fall-winter issue of Subtropics, which is a lovely literary journal that we like a lot. But uh, enough elling around here. This is a poem called Asparagus, of all things, and it's by Matthew Valades. Asparagus is not just a plant or a bunch of letters. It is now a poetical subject. The sori have no entry for asparagus. It is complete, entirely itself. Called Fingers of the Dead by me, here, the French used to prefer Pont de Amour, thinking that a bit of asparagus makes you want to have sex. It just lies there, indifferent. Its story is old and ages best uncovered. Ancient Egyptians thought these digits a nice gift for the pharaoh or a god. In Rome, Augustus had asparagus fleets that crossed the wine-dark sea, bringing the best of it back. Most decent renaissances from Europe to China cultivated it along with the flashier trades, art, science, conquest, etc. Still Life with Asparagus, 1697. Cream in color, a bundle of asparagus tilts on a table, scored with shadows. The black background conceals all but the light's precise touch on the half-moon of its skin. Really, there is no better mascot for tradition and its many returns. Not shy or easily forgotten, asparagus damn near leaps out of the ground and adds itself to your shopping cart. How about some strawberries with that asparagus? Here's Strawberries by Matthew Valades. In black and white, the young Judy Garland steps from a bus into the summer air, then takes out a bright red strawberry. Right to the camera, she says, 
Strawberries are not just fruit or a bunch of letters. They are now poetical subjects, and boy does California know its strawberries. Then, after a bite and wink, she smiles as Enjoy a Strawberry appears across the screen. Rising from the ground on fertilized soil, picked by fingers on imported hands, gently sheened in the artificial rain, a miracle of modern agriculture, the strawberries arrive on a clamshell, like the manufactured ovaries of Venus, a metal conch held to the ear. Chilean, Virginian, they bestride the hemispheres and taste of an ideal wrought into life. They are. The drapes part in Oz. The wizard is fruit from imaginary fields with real weeds. He tells young Dorothy to just take a bite, click her heels, and go straight to Hollywood. Turning green to red, the traffic lights on Ventura Boulevard ripen. Each one began as a mere spark, like her, like you. Out in the fields, the squirming strawberries are cocoons blushed with rouge, set for their big debut. In conclusion, we done read some poems. What happened to your laser sounds? I I'm out. I think the outro needs laser sounds. Okay. Let's recap. We had some poems of spring, starting with Spring by Audre Lorde. Then we heard Spring by Edna St. Vincent Millay. And then another called Spring by Gerard Manley Hopkins. And after that, kind of sidling up there, was La Arca by... Eugenio Montale. Also sort of a spring poem. After that, we hung loose with our special guest, Dorothy, also known as Mother of Jean and reader of I'm Not a Religious Person, but by Chen Chen. That was a good time. Yeah, my mom's awesome. Chen Chen, speaking of, has a book coming out called When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a List of Further Possibilities, which will be published by BOA Editions. So look for that this spring. After that in the show was Muppets. Then came Anne Sexton with the Sermon of the Twelve Acknowledgements, which was kind of crazy but in an appealing, how'd you get to my Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm glad you're here kind of way. Finally, wrapping it up with style, I read Asparagus and Strawberries by some jerk who owes me money. Thanks for listening to this episode, a.k.a. Textual Healing, brought to you by the letter L. For love. Lake. Lizard. Lube. Luxury. And now... Lounge. Time to roll the credits. BYOP is produced by us for you. Our cat answers the phones, and our turtle handles the catering. DJ Natural Flavors selects the jams. For a complete poem and track listing, check the metadata, dork. It's all there. Okay, bye! Bye! From the shimmery, shadowy colors of man's elusive image to crystal rainbow of reality, whatever is envisioned in the depths of the land will dance beyond the infinite.
surfing Surfing